So our scripture today continues from Matthew 13. We're moving on to the weeds. We're in verse 24. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, the enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, then, do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So when I picked this passage months ago, I had images that I'd have gloves on, ready to pick wheats, you know, get them from the root. That's what I've been taught. And then, you know, I actually like read what Jesus says, and that can sometimes trip you up. Because all of us have a list of weeds, right, that we would like to pull out of the world. And I don't care who you are, or what side you're on, or how, what opinions you have about anything, we think we know what the weeds are, right? And if they just got plucked out, things would be simpler or kinder or more equal or more just, right? But we're reading a parable of Jesus, so you know he's going to flip something on us, right? What we think we're supposed to do, he's going to tell us the other thing. But in this one, he tells us not to do something, not to do anything about the weeds. That somehow if we try to pluck out the weeds, that the good is going to be harmed in the process as well. And Matthew and Jesus are trying to say that this idea of wheat and weeds growing together is true in every part of the world, every area of the world. This has happened in churches or our workplaces or our families or our schools. That wheat and weeds are always going to grow very close together. Now, Jesus is also clear. The weeds are bad. There is no hemming or hawing about that. They have been sowed by the enemy. And anybody with a garden or just a yard knows that weeds grow faster and easier than anything, anything you're trying to grow. The weeds are going to just whoosh, come right up. And as I said earlier, weeds were part of God's original punishment of Adam. Instead of it being easy to grow crops and the things you want, it's going to be more difficult. That weeds are the enemy of what God's trying to grow in us. The good news, the gospel, kingdom values, God's ways. And I realize when we think about weeds, we would like them, or we'd, we wish, that they would be dressed up like comic book supervillains, right? We can identify them easily by their costume, by their super, super evil laugh, or their ability to monologue, and we can escape them easily. That would be great. And some weeds are like that. Some weeds are easy to spot, and we can avoid them, but... Those aren't the ones you really have to worry about. The ones we have to worry about are kind of look good. They might even be appealing or draw us in. I think about what kid in the history of the world has ever not picked a fluffy dandelion and blown it? Half the time, what adult hasn't done that, right? It draws you in. It looks good. It's fun. It look No, Chad Shake said no. There's a reason dandelions are still around. <laughs> it looks fun. <laughs> 
but no, it's not. This is what it makes the enemy of the gospel. It's disguised as something beautiful or appealing or a blessing. Now, I had someone tell me this week that the way you can spot the difference between a weed and wheat is weeds don't produce good fruit. That you can judge your weediness by the fruit that you've produced or not produced. Because Jesus points out this painful and annoying adult truth that the only person you can control, the only person you can really change, is yourself. It's really annoying. <laughs> As someone who likes to be an encourager, I would love the idea that I could change people, but I can't. I can encourage people, I can support people, I can make suggestions and point things out, but they're the only ones who can change. And it's not my job to change them. Anyway, as a pastor, it's my job to preach the gospel as I hear it in the scripture and to love people. And according to this parable, as just a regular Christian, according to Jesus, my only job is to be wheat. To nourish my soil. To keep out the rocks and the thorns. And to make sure the seeds that God is planting land in something that they can grow in. Because like the servants in the passage, we get confused that we think it's our job to root out the evil. And just like I said last week, that job's too big for me. Plus, Jesus says I'm not going to be very good at it. I'm going to end up pulling good stuff out when I think I'm pulling out weeds. And just like how we wish weeds were dressed up in very clear costumes, we also often think that weeds are like way over there in a feed field that's like, far away from us and easily identifiable. But Jesus says that's why we keep getting tripped up because he says the weeds are so close to you that if I pull them up now, I'll end up hurting you or pulling you up too. Now that doesn't mean we ignore the weeds or we close our eyes and pretend like the weeds aren't there. In fact, I think we should probably do the opposite. We should be studying the weeds. We should be well-versed in the weeds. We should study them closely and in community so we don't mistakenly try to pluck them out ourselves. But I think Jesus also wants us to remember always how close they are to us. The idea there, but for the grace of God, go I. Because if there's any congregation that knows that people aren't all good or all bad, it's us. We know the deep truth that people are, in fact, very gray. That we all have the potential to be weeds as much as we have the potential to be wheat. That's why I think Jesus says, doesn't want us to be distracted about judging those other weeds, but making sure that we're clear about looking at our own strengths and our own weaknesses. In this parable, and when he explains it later, Jesus tells the good news that God will sort out the weeds eventually. That's not our job, and that's good news. I love the way that Caroline Lewis put it. She's a preaching professor at Luther Seminary, a commentator I like a lot. She says that our calling as disciples is to seek out and purge sin and evil. Frankly, I don't want that job. I don't trust myself, but I do trust God. She says our presence in the world as Christians is to be the good, to live the gospel, to be the light, to be the salt, because we are. Jesus says so. He says it to his disciples. This should be good news. 
this parable calls us simply to be, to be the good in the world with the full awareness of what all the resistances are going to be. She says to be light when darkness will surely try to snuff us out, to be salt when blandness and conformity and acceptability are always the easier paths. To be wheat. John Mayer said this way in his song, Belief, is there anyone who ever remembers changing their mind from the paint on a sign? Is there anyone who really recalls ever breaking rank at all for something someone yelled real loud one time? The idea that screaming and calling names never works, at least not in the long term, yanking out weeds. But I do know of people who have been transformed by witnessing or receiving radical love, radical acceptance, undeserved grace, forgiveness when they've least expected it by people being wheat. I want to tell you about my friend, uh, Pat Ephraim. We were friends at Wabash, and I actually would like to invite you to pray for her. She is really struggling with COVID right now, um, but Pat is a powerhouse. Pat's a powerhouse preacher, uh, worship leader, pastor, undeniable, um, and it's, I don't know if everybody remembers, but my Wabash group, or Wabash in general, is meant to be filled with people of all different denominations, so you got people of a lot of different theological beliefs, and we had people who um, were raised in traditions where women were not ordained. That wasn't their theology there. But many of those pastors had real changes of heart about that particular issue over the years. There were several of us in the group, but almost all of them would mention Pat and how Pat changed that for them. Not because she got in their face about it. I don't know if she ever talked to them about it, but by the way she emanated her authority and her calling and her deep love and knowledge of the gospel that just by her being wheat, by being pat, they couldn't deny it, what they saw in front of them. Now, there are lots of ways that the church can be wheat right now by being generous, by being faithful, by being open, by being full of grace. But one of the ways that I think can be fundamentally world-changing and we've talked about this before. This isn't the first time I've brought this up. I've probably chatted with everybody in this room about it at some point. But is if we learn to have productive but difficult conversations. And I've said it for years that the church is still the last place where people who disagree on any range of issues still pass each other the communion plate. Who still take casseroles. I mean, we don't do this now, but <laughs> in theory, we take each other casseroles when we're sick or we're grieving. And we do that because we've spent time together and we understand that we are more than just those beliefs because we know about our grayness. And so instead of focusing on picking weeds, we can work on our own weediness by participating and engaging in difficult, complicated conversations like the ones that the elders have been doing this past year and continue to do. Chad's found a passage for them to read. They'll read in February by Thomas Merton, of all people so that they can continue their willingness to work through our role in racism today. Not because it's easy, but it's one of the ways that they are choosing to be wheat. 
The SALT Project released a video this week talking about the exact challenge of having difficult conversations and had some helpful tips and suggestions uh, on how to do that and how we can engage in that. They talk about seeing conflict as an opportunity and not something to turn away from. That we start with the places, they call it common hunger, the places where we're all hungry, um, the places where we meet in common, that we have compassionate identification with each other, not just sympathy for someone else, feeling bad for someone else, but ways we can be compassionately identifying with them where they are, that we have perceptive understanding, thoughtful understanding, and always practical, or what they would say, active love. That those steps can help lead us into deeper, more meaningful conversations about really what truly matters to us, what we care about deeply. And those steps make it sound simple, and we know that's not true. We know that's not true. We know it's hard and difficult, but we also know that the weeds are the ones that tell us to be bland, to conform, to be okay with what's just acceptable, that not talking about it's just easier. The weeds will show you the dark and invite us just to go back to sleep. That's how they got planted in the first place. To just leave things as they are, you're okay, why do we need to be bothered about it? But the story today says, Jesus reminds us, that's not what we're called to do. That in fact, Jesus woke us up from that sleep and that the world doesn't need us to conform but to be transformed by the gospel because we're called to be wheat. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're meant for so much more. We're meant to bring flavor, to bring God's kingdom into the world, to produce good fruit for others and ourselves to enjoy. As Amanda Gorman powerfully said in her poem, for there is always light. If only we are brave enough to see it. If only we are brave enough to be it. <laughs>